to another episode of the Leadership Insider. This is Scott Pierce with the American College of Radiology, and today we're doing what we'll call part three of our Leadership Insider podcasts on artificial intelligence. Today we're at the University of Virginia talking with Cree Gaskin, who's a professor of radiology and orthopedic surgery and vice chair of operations and informatics for the Department of Radiology and Medical Imaging the Division Chief of Musculoskeletal Imaging and Innovation, the Associate Chief of Medical Informatics Officer. We're also talking with Arun Krishnaraj, the Associate Professor of Radiology and Medical Imaging, the Vice Chair of Quality and Safety, the Division Chief for Body Imaging, and Co-Director for Body Procedures, uh, both again at the University of Virginia Health Systems. Dr. Skaskin and Krishnaraj, thank you very much for joining us today. It's good to be here. Thank you. Just by way of background, uh, getting the lay of the land, so to speak, can you discuss your view and approach to using artificial intelligence or machine learning or computational-aided diagnoses uh, before you ever even embark on implementing something in practice? So I think the promise of machine learning and artificial intelligence in uh, radiology is clearly there. And um, I think both Dr. Gaskin and I are deeply involved in informatics and its potential to improve workflow. And we see machine learning and computer-aided diagnosis and AI tools is yet another opportunity to improve workflow and efficiency. So we were very open uh, to the prospect of um, being able to embrace and adopt uh, any existing technology that was out there. Uh, Dr. Gaskin has um, extensive relationship with uh, many vendors from his experience as our leader in informatics. You know, Cree, you can speak to kind of how our relationship with Zebra Medical developed um, based on your personal relationships and how they approached you with regards to the things that we've implemented here at UVA. Sure. We were willing to implement uh, once we came to, once we came upon a solution that had some practical application uh, without inhibiting our routine clinical work. So at, at this point, there are a few applications that scratch the surface of what we do, and I would emphasize that it's scratching the surface. There's massive ground to be made, but we were willing to implement when we came upon a solution that had some practical application and could fit into our workflow. Dr. Gaskin, I imagine being the Associate Chief Medical uh, Informatics Officer has a lot to do with your proactive approach in terms of looking for ways new technologies can help you. Can you describe a little bit about how the culture here is set up to adapt to change and how that has been a driver for positive growth? Sure. You know, radiology is technology-driven, so we are frequently exposed to change, and radiologists are somewhat used to it. We like to be involved with the development so that in the end, change will best fit our work. And if vendors are developing technology for our field, we should influence their work. If we are engaged, progress is accelerated and more tailored to what we do. Uh, so let's talk practical application now. Uh, many people with whom I've spoken are very interested in seeing how AI integration is actually going to start playing out in practice. Uh, some have actually called AI right now on the algorithms in radiology somewhat of the Wild West. Uh, so if you can talk a little bit about how this project specifically came about, and uh, I think it would be helpful for some background. Sure. This is what uh, Arun alluded to a moment ago about uh, relationship and uh, the Zebra Project for us actually started at a McDonald's, specifically the one at the convention center at the RSNA. <laughs> Elad Benjamin is the CEO of Zebra Medical Systems, but I knew him from years earlier when he worked at CareStream Health. CareStream happens to be our PAX vendor. 
Elad had left CareStream, was considering leadership in this young startup, which is now known as Zebra Medical Systems. And at that McDonald's, he asked my opinion on this opportunity for him, you know, what if I thought this was a good idea for him to pursue. And we've kept in touch through the years as Zebra took off. Zebra Medical partnered with PAX. It was a fairly natural relationship. They, they were a lot having been involved with CareStream previously. And that's the PAX that we use for our clinical workflow. So when those two companies partnered and they and Zebra could offer a beta product that could integrate into our existing clinical environment, which is centered on the CareStream packs, uh, we were in a position to give it a try. And I think that's been really exciting because much of what you hear about and read about artificial intelligence in the popular press, whether it be Elon Musk and Variety or um, you know, Ray Kurzweil talking about the singularity is speaking to 10 steps down the line and a lot of, if, of this concept of vaporware, these robots that uh, perform all of human tasks. And uh, through you know, Cree's relationship with Elad and, and what we've been able to do with Zebra here at UVA, we've brought it down to the practical level and uh, shown how the, and even in its infancy, machine learning can improve workflow and start to um, help ease the burden of some menial or low-level tasks that radiologists engage in and start to lay the foundation of what that future promise that folks like Kurzweil and Musk and Larry Page and others um, are doing at a grander level for uh, different concepts and what we do in our day-to-day life. So what exactly does this app do, and why did you think it would be worthwhile to test it out in your clinical environment? Well, in short, the app interprets images, uh, looking for just a few specific findings, but on only a limited subset of imaging tests. Specifically, at this time, it looks at bone density, fatty liver, emphysema, and coronary artery disease only on CT scans of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis. So only a small number of the conditions that we're looking at and only on a limited subset of the types of imaging tests that we read. It then it makes, the app then makes these results available to the radiologist who's interpreting those specific studies. Right. And, and so how did you begin to roll this out? Yeah, as you might expect, it started in stages. So uh, stage one was uh, placing the application on a single workstation for use by a single view, uh, user. And that was me. And that was really, I don't even read CTs of the chest and the pelvis like Arun does. Um, but just because of my role in informatics, I was involved in the beginning, but I didn't want to roll this out to other radiologists until I felt comfortable that it would not Im- impair their workflow. So the stage one was putting it on a workstation, not exposing other people to it, and making sure that it worked smoothly, that it was unobtrusive. If there were people who you know, may say, I don't want this or don't need this, if it's not bothering them in any way, it's not going to be problematic. So stage one was putting it there, making sure that it could be unobtrusive and not hinder people who didn't like it, and that the um, user interface was satisfactory enough that people would say, oh, yeah, this works, fits right into what I do, and I thought would be um, more accepted. And at that point, um, I involved Arun and showed it to him and said, you know, would you be interested in having this 
on on your workstations in your area since you do read these studies. So I don't know if Arun, you want to comment on? Yeah, no, it was point. it was exciting to be able to help test and put into practical application, you know, things that me from a personal level were very interested in and, and hearing about and reading about and having the opportunity to to use it in the day-to-day workflow. So uh, it's been a process there, especially among our residents and fellows, there's this fear, as there is in a lot of industries that are high-tech, intellectual, data-driven, that somehow machines or machine learning algorithms should could supplant or replace uh, those individuals. So there was a bit of, you know, some funny conversation. So I don't have to show up in the reading room anymore. This will take care of it. The residents and fellows are unnecessary kind of thing. Um, but once we got over that and just basically walk through with our faculty and the residents and fellows that rotate through our service, like Cree mentioned, chest, abdomen, pelvis is within the body division. And the uh, initial rollout of tools apply specifically to CT scans performed in those regions. So, you know, we, we played with it. And uh, in version one, we realized that there were some positives and there were some areas for improvement. We're on version 2.04, I think I saw on the screen the other day. And, and uh, the Zebra folks have been great to work with with regards to gathering input from us uh, about improvements. You know, with regards to the specific tools, coronary artery calcification, the emphysema, the hepatic steatosis or fatty liver, and the bone density... Of those four, really only bone density is something that I would say that radiologists trained in body imaging, either chest or abdomen, aren't commenting on on a routine basis where it provided potentially extra information or information that you wouldn't have otherwise uh, noted. But that being said, having that extra check to ensure that you are mentioning those three other areas, emphysema, coronary artery calcification, or steatosis, is nice. It's like having a virtual assistant there just reminding you to make sure that you are doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And then with the DEXA, getting that extra piece of information. I've always felt, and there are other people who've written about this, that there's probably far more information contained in data sets for CT or any imaging that we aren't leveraging. And this is starting to scratch the surface, as Chris says, at the at the very beginnings of how do we pull more knowledge out of the that data that exists. What results did you see from this as you implemented it? The the way the um, DEXA and, and Cree being a musculoskeletal radiologist would be far better equipped to answer this question, but essentially it is a measure of overall bone mineral density, uh, which can be a predictor of um, osteopenia, osteoporosis, low bone mineral density that can predispose people to having fractures and that can be actionable information so that patients can, can begin medications that help improve the bone mineral density to prevent these fractures that can cause um, declines in quality of life. So when the app identifies that a patient's uh, DEXA score falls below a certain threshold and that osteopenia um, or osteoporosis may be present, uh, what we've done in the body imaging division is include a formal structured recommendation that says that um, this algorithm has identified a bone mineral density score that falls below a threshold. And the language I use is consider a dedicated DEXA scan, so one that's performed solely tailored towards uh, identifying those abnormalities to confirm this finding if clinically indicated. And while we have not done the process of taking all those studies that have been recommended, seeing how many were followed through, and then validating that against um, 
the traditional DEXA score and what the algorithm fired on, it is our intent to do that. And I think Cree can speak to some of the original work that went into developing that and the validation that uh, happened when the DEXA app was rolled out. Yeah, thanks, Arun. So at this point, we've done at UVA, we've done retrospective analysis. So we would like to do the prospective test that he just described. But at this point, we took uh, existing scans, ran the algorithm on them, got virtual DEXA results, found if those same patients also had existing DEXAs within six months of the CT scan. And we looked at the, the virtual DEXA off of the CT versus the formal or official DEXA. And we saw good correlation between the results, but there certainly were a number of imperfections. There were maybe a number of cases where there was alignment and then other cases where it underestimated or overestimated bone density. We had the view that there was room for improvement, although there was good correlation. So that was shared with a vendor who has reworked the algorithm and and now it's significantly improved. And so we now want to when I say significantly improved, that's when they show their results. You know, they show their old, their old algorithm versus their new algorithm, and you look at the graphs. There's much better correlation with the improved algorithm that was developed after we gave them that feedback. Uh, we have not yet repeated our retrospective test. Anyway, we're optimistic, but it needs to be seen. So talking a little bit about the, the organizational structure and culture, what was the process and to get your colleagues on board using this? How, what was that like? I think the best way to answer that question is to contrast it with an effort that I think has been wholly unsuccessful, and that is the original rollout and implementation of electronic health records. The literature and the popular press is littered with articles from frustrated physicians uh, regarding how EHRs hinder their work and their ability to take care of patients. And I, I think much of that probably stems from the initial development of electronic health records rolled out in the United States intended to meet the meaningful use of standards to get doctors and hospitals incentive dollars rather than to make their workflow better or easier. I joke that it basically just took the paper form and digitized it in, in an unorganized cabinet and just put that unorganized cabinet on a computer screen and said, voila, everything is better now. And I have been excited and energized by our relationships with not only Zebra Medical, but IBM Watson, that in this rollout of machine learning, at least in our experience, the vendors have been closely integrated with us trying to determine our needs and what we like and what we don't like. We've been on a series of iterative calls with the IBM Watson team looking at uh, an application that summarizes or provides a synopsis of the patient's electronic health record. And what we have determined and realized is that there's some big gaps between what programmers and coders think a doctor would like to see and what doctors like to see. And they've been very open and uh, willing to change it and iterate it to uh, better meet our needs. And I think that the only way that this effort is going to be successful is that the folks who actually use the software are deeply involved in the development process of designing this new um, machine learning algorithm-based tools and software. Yeah, I would second that. I mean, vendors provide the applications that run our work, that we do our work on. And so they're constantly going to be 
developing their product to make it better, or at least trying to do that. And you know, we we have the opportunity to be engaged and influence that development. And if 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 we are, it can stay more in touch with what we need it to be. So you know, if vendors are developing in our field, we should influence their work. So we have to be engaged, and we'll end up with a product that fits our needs better and we'll get there faster. Thanks. And finally, would you just give us some, you know, good pieces of advice on what you would give to other radiologists about how to prepare for a future with AI and why should you get on board now and start looking at the future? I mean, I would just say, don't be afraid. It is not the evil machines coming to take over our lives. It's just another tool. Uh, in fact, it may be the most powerful tool physicians, more than just radiologists, have ever had to be able to take care of individual patients and populations of patients like never before. In order for it to be successful, physicians have to be, like we mentioned earlier, deeply involved in the process of how these tools can help us, what it can do to improve individual patients' lives, allow us to look at populations and improve groups of individuals. And I think the future is really exciting. And I think that the naysayers that you'll see saying that radiologists will be replaced and will not exist are inaccurate. I think that radiologists will be more empowered, will be even more critical, and will serve as the nexus of the information that comes into a hospital and one of the most important decision points in ensuring that patients get the best care possible. Yeah, I think radiologists should only be excited about this technology. It, it should only make us better, maybe even make our lives easier. But I don't, I don't see it hurting us in any way. Great. Doctors Gaskin and Krishnaraj, we want to thank you very much for uh, welcoming us down here at the UVA and allowing us to kind of see this app in action and for taking the time to talk with us. We really appreciate it. Great. Thank you for uh, your interest in our work. And uh, we're both very excited about the future of AI and radiology. It's been our pleasure to have you and to talk about this.